Hi, everybody. On this week of Guys Talking Sports, we'll be talking about the NCAA men's basketball um, allegations that came down, Mark Cuban and his issues, and Zaza P, and if that was or wasn't an intentional foul, all on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports, where it's us, three guys, shooting the shit about sports and all things, well, whatever else we want to talk about. So, um, so um, to everybody, guys, say what's up. I have my boys Al and Big Ace, a.k.a. Big Sexy, a.k.a. everything. <laughs> Hello. So what's up, fellas? How you feeling tonight? Word of caution. For those of you who don't typically get up at 4.45 a.m. to go to work, I advise not to get up at 4.45 to go to work because it's somewhere around 2 p.m. You will be falling asleep at your desk. But regardless, I'm good. How's everybody? I, I, I'm, I don't even know where to begin. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here. I'm on fumes. Um, so just please bear with me. I'm definitely here. on fumes right now. Uh, so if I'm not as animated as I was before, then you know why. Oh, I know that feeling. Well, uh, well, I'm going on Spirit of Water, Poland Spring, actually. Very clean and clear and good for the soul. So we're going to... Likewise. Aha. So we're going to get right into it, fellas. So uh, we're going to start off with, um, uh, let's say, uh, a foul that wasn't a foul or an intentional hit that wasn't an intentional hit. Of course, in the... Um, Go to State Warriors against the OKC. There was a play where it involved Russell Westbrook on the ground and Zaja, we'll just say Zaja P, <laughs> fell on him at the last second. A fall that wasn't a fall or whatever. Now, some people are saying it was intentional. He was saying that it wasn't. He just fell. Some of his players are saying that, hey, he's clumsy or that he fell over um, Swaggy P's foot. I didn't see any of that stuff. So, guys, your question. My question to you is, do you think this was intentional? And if so, what should be done about Saza P? I saw the play. I saw multiple replays, multiple angles. Zaza got to be a good 6'10", 6'11", 260, 270. You know, Swaggy P got to be a good 6'3", 6'4", 210. If not lighter. No, nah, he's 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'6"? Six, six. Still about 210. 6'7". Six, 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 Still about 210. He's this little scrawny little thing. <laughs> you know, maybe 220. 225, you know, give or take. Needless to say, I understand that he fell. He, Westbrook and him got tangled up, fell to the ground. His foot hit behind Zsa's knee. One foot. I don't think his momentum, being it was in the back of his knee, was that hard. You know, it had that much force would it cause Jaja to fall to the ground on top of Westbrook. Now, mind you, it looked like, you know, he kind of gingerly tap-danced a little, little bit, said, ooh, I guess I could fall. It fell on top of uh, Westbrook, and that's just my opinion. Um, so... I think he did it intentionally, you know, talk about he clumsy, whatever. Yeah, well, don't play basketball if you're clumsy. So, yes, that's my take. <laughs> um, to be honest, I don't even know. <sighs> I saw the video, to be honest. In a nutshell, it just – the way the video looks, I know you can, you know, you could be, you could claim that you be clumsy. And the, the, the way the video looks, it just looks like it was just an immediate, you know, I'm just going to fall. Um, I don't know the intentions behind it. No one will know except for Zaja, of course, whether it was intentional or not. But from what I saw on the video, it looks like, you know, it could have been, I could see the favor of it being intentional um, where he was trying to injure. And plus, the fact that Zaja has a history of of those type of things, I think, makes it worse because you know I think that when you have a history of doing th- things like that, people are going to criticize for every little thing that you do. So 
Zala like Dennis Rodman when he used to be doing a lot of dirty plays. Not saying that, you know, Zaja is the next Dennis Rodman, but, you know, after a while, Dennis Rodman would do things that was questionable enough where he would get technical. So it's starting to get to that point. I can, I mean, even though the NBA didn't suspend them or didn't find them, they ruled that, you know, there was enough, it wasn't enough evidence for them to do anything about it. I think that now he's under the microscope for everything that he does going forward, um, which, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, but from the video, I, it just seems as though that it looked like he just went down on his own um, on Russell Westbrook. So, you know, I can't even be mad at Russell Westbrook being, you know, upset. Can't even be mad at KD for defending him, um, Zaja. Um, but it's just, it just seemed like it, it. It's all things point to it looking like a dirty play. Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time, you know, Jaja has been involved in some questionable plays. I mean, you even look at, um, you know, the playoffs last year where he, you know, conveniently stepped in, you know, into, uh, you know, into Kawhi Leonard's shot when he rolled his ankle and hasn't really played the same since. <laughs> and, um, and of course, it's not the first time that, um, Jaja and Russell Westbrook got into it. They got into the, you know, two years ago where he put a hard, put a hard foul on him. Now, to me, this looks like an old hard foul from back, you know, the good old, excuse me, the older time, <laughs> back when the New York Knicks used to lay some hard screens and it wasn't all that. Now I think guys are just a little bit too sensitive and just can't take a hard foul. But, you know, but he has been involved with questionable plays. I saw the highlights from different angles, and it didn't look like Swaggy P, you know, tripped him. If he did, it wasn't enough to even make him fall. Look like he saw the play happen to him. He, he fell and fell on him, but he looked like he didn't get him good because the way, you know, Russell Westbrook was angled, he couldn't get his knee or anything good. So he kind of fell like on the, on his, you know, thigh. But no, I mean, it's, it's a questionable call. And this is not the first time, you know, Jaja's been like this. And, you know, I've heard some people saying that, oh, they should, you know, suspend him. He shouldn't play the game. Come on now. I mean, those same things are being said about Dennis Rodman and, and, he might have got suspended a fine, but they didn't throw him out. And the Golden State Warriors is not going to do anything to him. NBA didn't do anything too much. I really didn't think. I thought they might find him, but, I mean, that's all the eye test. And if the refs didn't necessarily throw a flag, I mean, I was throw a flag, refs didn't call a foul, hmm. potentially call a foul, I mean, I could see where the NBA didn't, but if I was the NBA, I would have been like, look, the next time something looks like a duck, you're going to sit not one, but several games. Yeah. I, I, I think I think a stern warning would have been – I think they're at a point right now where a stern warning is um, was placed. And like I said before, he it seems like he's now under the microscope because he's going to be <clears throat> watched left and right for everything that he does going forward. Personally, I think he should have got a fine. And it, had to, it didn't have to be a hefty fine. But something enough to say, wow, you actually find me for this? And then the, the league could have came back and said, well, you know, you have this, 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 this trend, so to speak, of you doing what you're doing. We want you to know that we're, we're watching you. We're, we're not going to tolerate this. So, you know, you take this $15,000, $20,000 fine. And if you don't like it, you can file a grievance, but, you know, uh, keep going. The next one is going to be, 30,000 or 40,000. You know, we can make this, it can kind of sort of like how they do in the NFL with Indomitian Sioux, you know what I'm saying? Or um, the cat from uh, Cincinnati. You know, the more violent hits, the more he's called for uh, for roughing whatever those intentional type hits, the, the, the prices just keep going up. So just keep, keep playing the fool, we'll just keep hitting you in the pocket. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's going to be going to be able to kind of curb that kind of behavior. I mean, there's always a lot of rough play and stuff like that, and people kind of, you know, doing stuff after, you know, after the play is over or after a foul. So, I mean, it's not like he does this all the time, but I agree with you, Lisa. I'm, I'm pretty sure the league office is probably going to be taking a much more closer look at his, you know, his play and questionable calls and fouls that goes down. So, He's going to be getting watched a little bit more. I definitely agree with you on that one. Not only does this, I mean, this is just part of it. Like, 
Golden State has been, for whatever reason, starting to become more of a – they're playing towards the villainous role at this point um, with a lot of stuff that they're doing as of late. Um, so this is just going to be another element to it come playoffs. You know, we'll see how this how, – we'll see how this plays out going forward. Definitely. Now I'm going to switch uh, gears a little bit here, guys. I know we were talking on our last call about uh, getting into what was going on with the Dallas Mavericks. So, obviously, you know, the guy, Termite Arce, was the former team president and was um, let go over some sexual misconduct allegations and charges that he had. Um, so, of course, um, you know, the owner, you know, Mark Cuban, who grills everybody when he does the shark, <laughs> the shark show about what you need the money for, how many employees do you have, you know, conveniently on this one, he just said, I didn't know anything, or he just said, well, there was some investigations. He didn't go any further. Usually, if you don't want to know something, you don't ask questions. So um, now, you know, Percy is out. Um, they brought uh, a new lady in by the name of, uh, uh, I think her name is Cynthia. I can't get, remember the last name of the time I had someone can refresh my memory. Uh, Cynthia Marshall, that's what it was. Yeah. A former, um, a former uh, VP from um, AT&T and the Human Resources and their um, chief diversity officer back in 2012, I mean 15 or 14. So, guys, what are your thoughts about what's going on with uh, with the Dallas Mavericks? And do you think this good move for a new CEO uh, with Cynthia Marshall was um, the proper move? Uh, well, uh, well, let me freeze that. Let me phrase that. Do you believe Mark Cuban when he says he didn't know anything? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, I guess he, I guess he has his own sense of plausible deniability. I mean, if he, you know, if there's no on record, off record type of situation where he says that he outrightly knows of the situation at hand outside of what he might have read or what was brought to his attention. And I guess he could sit there and claim deniability, but I'm sure, I'm sure because the dude was already gone, I believe, before they went and filed those charges. So obviously he was gone for a reason. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I guess he was hoping it would kind of just be shoved underneath the rug and, quietly go about their business and wouldn't hear of it again. But, you know, today's age, something that happened 15 years ago could pop up and bite somebody the ass, so you never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> to answer your first question, I think that, number one, he... Oh. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I forgot about the second question. Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, do you think placing the young lady at the CEO position, CEO, was a good move? Uh, politically correct, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, that's not true. I think the Lakers genie bus is there. So, I mean, there are some people exact. So, it's not like it's a, a first for a team in the NBA. But um, I guess it kind of saves space a little bit for him. But we'll just have to go seek out. If her management leads to some some good fortune for the Mavericks moving forward, um, um, to answer the first question, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. But to answer the first question, I think that um, Dallas, um, Mark Cuban, if for a fact that he didn't know, that sets a bad precedence for him because. As an owner, you would want to know every little thing that is going on. And to see this so that you don't know something as big as this, um, I now maybe, maybe everything was going, he, he assigned everything towards the president. Um, so maybe he didn't get in touch in, in reality with his employers, um, with the rest of the employees. He probably let the president, the former president handle everything when it comes to dealing with, um, the maps. Because, you know, as Mark Cuban, he has probably other businesses that he has to run. So I may give the benefit of the doubt, but it's something like this big. Like, that's, to be honest, that's still unacceptable because you need to know, you can't just take word from the president itself that everything is going fine. And 
to be honest with this being for the amount of news is, I mean, for the amount of time that it's been going on, how could you not know? So I think that's something that he has to take ownership with. And I think that the NBA should really, I mean, I don't know what the NBA is going to do as far as this is concerned, but then again, they did find him for 600 grand for the um, tanking um, talk, the tanking comment. So I'm pretty sure the NBA is going to look heavily into this. Now, whether they do something or not, I don't know. Um, but Mark Cuban right now can try and do damage control as much as he wants. It's still a pro- there was that's still a big issue. Um, and to trust your word for the president on a president and not have something you know concrete like there should have been some type of ethical um, board there to to just in case for things like this to happen so that at least he was aware of what's going on or make some type of some type of um, program there. And being as though that it's a little too late now that he brought in someone that dealt with HR. Uh, not saying that it's not, a, you know, I think it was a smart move because it kind of, you bring in someone that has the qualifications to nip this in the bud sort of quick. Um, but all in all, still like right now it's just damage control. Um, and it all depends on what the NBA does as far as Mark Cuban is concerned. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, um, I think the move was a necessary move. I think it was in the long term, we'll see how it goes, but I think it was, it was a good move. I mean, you know, a, you know, another female, you know, as an executive, female of color in executive position, I should say that as well. Um, but I do agree. I mean, you, got, you know, have to see how it goes. It does look like they're trying to save face and trying to placate the crowd to kind of quiet down the uproar over, you know, Mark Cuban basically, I don't want to say turning a could be turning a blind eye, but he didn't go the extra mile to really investigate some allegations and let the guy stay on after there was some rumblings about it. And then, like you said, AC conveniently leaves whether he was asked to go before everything kind of hit the fan or whether he voluntarily left. I mean, um, you know, it's one thing if this was like a Fortune 500 company where you have thousands of employees, you know, all around and you might have a rogue, you know, VP that you, or, you know, or role, you know, manager, director that might do some stuff. You might not know immediately if you're, you know, focused on other stuff, but you own the Mavericks. This is your team. It's not that big, you know, you know, you know, a big company per se. So, I mean, guy like that, you would have to know something. Even if you heard something you wasn't sure, it's up to you in the midst of everything that's going on to do your due diligence and find this out. Now, like I said, he just didn't want to know, so he didn't ask all the questions or even go investigate. He just kind of took someone's word for it and let it be. But, you know, he stepped out there, trying, you know, try to take the blame, to try to kind of calm down the storm. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'm like you, Ace, I think he's just trying to save Kate, you know, save face and placate the masses so it's not coming at him. But, um, you know, this is this is on him, and he absolutely should have known, but I don't think he really wanted to know. Well, I doubt the NBA as a league. What exactly, what all can the league possibly do to try to reprimand him in that sense? I think if anything is just going to be the court public opinion and how folks want to react to the situation. You know, I guess the only way they can really, the NBA really can't do much in the situation other than if fans want to be, you know, so that they're heartless or cold, not like the Mavericks are doing all that well this year anyway. So if they want to stop going to games or, you know, hurt Cuban where, you know, hits him the most in his pocket. You know, concessions, uh, mark, uh, merchandise, tickets, things of that nature. You know, uh, sponsors pulling ads. I, I don't think how anything other than status quo is going to go on and uh, along with the Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, if they start digging, DBA is not going to really police themselves unless they, they are forced to do so because once you start really digging in deep, 
you know, you don't know what kind of can of worms you're about to open up. And I'm pretty sure the NBA themselves don't want to know because right now, outside of a few things that happened in the past, the NBA has been relatively pristine, you know, for the most part. So they really haven't had any kind of controversy or any kind of issues that really is taking a game, is taking a light off the game as the NFL has. And as we're going to get to a next point, NCAA, who got a, a whole mess of problems, but, um, I think right now, I think the NBA is probably comfortable with how things are going. And as long as things stay quiet, you know, they're going to, like you say, status quo. They're not going to really police themselves because they don't want to know if there's anything going on. If there is, God knows how long it's been going on for. So no one is going to raise their hand immediately unless someone breaks a big story. That is true. I agree. But I mean... Yeah, I had a thought. Thought, thought, done. Came and left. But if I think about it, I'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said before, you know, people policing themselves. And, of course, the big, you know, the big news story of the last couple of days has been the NCAA and all the scandal allegations. I mean, we kind of, we talked about it, you know, last week about what could happen if it's going to happen before the NCAA tournament or during the tournament. It looks like shit is going to pop off right, right at the, right before the NCAA tournament. All hell is breaking loose and everybody's looking nervous. So, I mean, some of the schools that were implicated in this whole thing is Alabama, Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, South Carolina, Texas, USC. Some of your, you know, five stars, you know, standard bear teams. And that's just what they said, you know, up front. Who knows who else is on, you know, got caught up in it. So. Guys, do any of these NCAA allegations with money exchanging hands to, you know, players' families, paying players to come to schools, does any of this stuff surprise you? Because it doesn't really surprise me. Um, it doesn't surprise me. And I said that before. I'm at a point right now where it really doesn't surprise me at all how big it's going to be, um, especially when you're talking about the, N- the NCAA. Um, my main concern is going to be how is this going to affect the kids more so than anything going forward as far as the program. As far as the program itself, the schools, you know, if you get caught, you get caught at this stage. Nothing will be surprising. Um, I know some of the, the – the whole thing about it is just – it's one of those stories where you say, oh, this is – I mean, do you really consider this news – when you know majority of the people kind of had an idea of what is going on. And until they do something, and I'm, I'm being completely honest, until they do something in regards to the NCAA as far as all this behind the scenes, I mean, I heard Jalen Rose talk, talk call the NCAA the cartel. And <laughs> throughout all the stuff that he was saying, it kind of makes them just that. Like, they're an organization, a nonprofit organization that is getting money. I mean, that, that, that's basically what it is. And it's unfortunate that they have to go through this way. And it's been like this all this, all these years, really. Um, it's unfortunate it's been like this all these years. Um, hopefully that if, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. It seems like it seems like it's going to be a lot more severe things happening. I'm coming down the pipe. Well, so far what's been uncovered is uh, looks like some backdoor type of communication uh, with these kids while they're in school concerning payments as they're probably on the tail end of their one-and-done seasons in college. here down here in the, the Maryland area, Diamond Stone for the University of Maryland comes up to play where they talk about he, his family or him received $14,000 towards the tail end of the season. And they're saying, you know, and the coach Turgeon came on the radio and was like, look, I don't know who this ASM sports people are. I've never met the people. He said I couldn't, couldn't uh, identify them if they walked into the room. But it's looking, it's looking like, the individual players on the individual teams 
by being contacted somehow, some way, by somebody in their circle talking about monies. And that's where that kind of that gray area kind of goes into play because it's unfortunate because the schools, the coaches are unaware of what's going on because they can't watch their kids all the time. And if these kids are agreeing to these monies while they're still in school, then it hurts the school because then the, the team has to vacate wins. They might be put on probation just because of those kids are not like, whatever, I'm not really focused on school. I'm trying to focus on becoming an NBA player. You know, this is what I need. Um, it kind of just puts the schools in a very, very hard position. Now, on the flip side, where you got the phone calls with the coach from Arizona, um, I think his last name was Miller. Sean Miller, yeah. Yeah, where he's talking about a $100,000 payment to try to get the kid to go to his school, which in, in, in case of point, the kid did come to the school. Um, they can't find trace of the money, but, you know, these these people are crafty. You know, these boosters, whomever, they can find a way to funnel monies and shell companies and all different types of things to make it seem like the money doesn't exist or somehow get to where it needs to be. Hell, it could have been like in, uh, in Blue Chips where there's a, a, a duffel bag full of money was just dropped in front of the front door <laughs> in the kid's uh, doorstep. And the parents just got a hundred G's in cash. We'll never know. Um, but you know, it, just puts, it just puts them in a hard situation. And, and to piggyback off of what you said, Al, this is just what the feds want the media and the, the bloodthirsty people like ourselves who want to talk about it to know. You know, we don't know what's going to be coming down the pike as it's now going into the championship week for all of these uh, different conferences. They're already pulling the stars off of keeping them out of game so they can do their background checks to see if this is what they're talking about. It's even uh, incredible. And they're finding no evidence, but that doesn't mean they're in the clear. It's just meaning that the schools did some sort of due diligence to say, well, we need to check this out before we let this guy play because if we let this guy play and it turns out it's true, then they got to forfeit all the games that they play. But if it does turn out to be true, even though they check, they're going to have to forfeit them anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's going to be really, really, really interesting. Um, the next couple of weeks, I guarantee within the next two weeks, how the you know the next shoe is going to drop and who's going to be in some hot water? <laughs> it's funny how you bring up uh, the movie Blue Chips Ace because you know they say art always imitates life. So for me, I'm not surprised. I mean, this 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 stuff has been going on for a very 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 long time. You know, um, you know as you know TV got into it and you building this big stadium. There's TV money flowing in everyone's pockets into the you know, the, the school's pockets, the, the presidents, the um, um, the presidents and the coaches and everybody on down the line. There's a lot of money flowing in there. No one really wants to, you know, stop, you know, stop it. It's going to keep going. So, of course, all this money for all these top schools is going to attract agents. It's going to attract people like Reebok or Felix to have their people go out there to kind of funnel certain players to go to certain schools so they can keep that gravy train going. So they can keep their team good, so they can keep the um, well, the endorsements, the TV contracts, so they can make all this money. I mean, you know, to me, college basketball is. Let me first say, college sports has changed in a way where they're accommodating all the extra money that's going in, but the model has changed from a monetary perspective, but it hasn't changed from a student perspective. I mean, we can't sit there and say they're student athletes. Of course, you they can say, well, they get their room and board. They get their meals free, but you won't even let these guys even go out and have a, a damn part-time job. I mean, there are some people out there who get scholarships where they get free room and board for four years, and they still have the ability to go out there and get a job if they want to make some extra money. I mean, so what makes a person who has a full-ride scholarship, you know, different than a player who gets a full-ride scholarship where one can go and get another job, another person can't? I mean, it's... The, the the system has evolved, except that the way that they look at the players has remained the same as it was in the 1950s and 60s. I mean, you have to change 
that has to change now. Where do you change it? I don't know, but you know, it's laughable that Mark Emmerich, the head of the NCAA, is going to sit there and act like he is completely oblivious of what the hell is going on. Bruh, please, for the umpteenth time, you know, and Bashawn Miller, usually it's not the coach or the assistant coach. But one of the coaches on the thing, usually someone way down the line that gets his hand dirty. So the head coach is out on the telephone being tapped, talking about money exchanging hands, even though we know stuff like that happens. You won't hear Mike, you know, you know, Coach K on the phone talking about, you know, he's um authorizing, you know, a hundred grand for you know, ten grand for somebody or anybody else. The dude is just stupid for being on the phone, getting caught, you know, saying that. But everyone knows it goes on, whether it's college football, whether it's college basketball. It goes on, but no one wants to do anything about it. And that's where I think that this is gonna be that's why I said this might be the the starting point, um, because when you have the feds involved, you know, there's going to, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot more to come. Um, what, depending on how far they go to, you know, to continue to, to go, to continue the, um, the, um, actual, the investigation, depending on how far they'll go. Um, but I think somebody has to, I mean, it had to come down to somebody doing something at the end of the day. Um, and if, if anything, I'm glad it's the feds because you could definitely find out, they'll definitely find out more information than somebody else, um, in the states or somebody else would, you know, for that matter. They could definitely look into it, so. Well, I, I'm a heaven listener to, to, to sports radio and just different aspects and just trying to hear different individuals' opinions and, I know the big talk with college football, especially, you know, with the, the, the power, the power five schools, the, the top 65 or the top 70 schools breaking off from the NCAA and start policing and governing themselves because <coughs> what all is the NCAA doing now? I mean, these conferences are now securing their own, um, Television contracts. So it's not like the NCAA. That's, I'm sorry. Not television. Well, yeah, television networks. The Big Ten has their own network. The Pac-12 has their own network. The ACC has this. Only one that doesn't have their own network right now is the Big 12. But, um, the NCAA, it's like, the NCAA, there's really no, no need for the NCAA in certain, the two biggest revenues, uh, generating sports, which is, college football and men's college basketball. And it almost seems like the only way that they can avoid these sort of things and can try to govern it is to kind of break off and do their own thing. And I don't know if, if, if they would ever break off, would they sit there and consider paying athletes? Because I understand why they don't want athletes to have jobs because them playing the sport is like a part-time job. You know, they're putting in 20 to 30 hours a week, depending on practice, study hall, games, travel, you name it. I don't think they would even have time. I think in the off season they may have time for the job, but they couldn't have a steady part-time job like, say, a typical college student. Um, but then again, you know, typical college student, you know, to, to say, you know, speak on what you were talking about, Earl, uh, the typical college student with a full-time, I'm sorry, with a, uh, a full ride, yeah, his room and board is covered, but, and they may have a specialized dorm, but they don't have tutors at their disposal. They don't have 24-hour meals at their disposal. Um, they don't have, well, they might have a situation where they might get a stipend depending on what type of fellowship or whatever they might be working on, but, you know, the student athlete gets so much more, but, you know, I'm only talking about the football and the basketball players, you know, you don't really know what the swim team or the, the girls' track team or what other, some of those non-revenue generating sports, what they might get as opposed to football and basketball players. But, um, the NCAA is only going to hurt the situation because I don't think the NCAA at this point can't really do anything because they weren't addressing the situation before in the past. It's only because somehow somebody squealed like a pig and got the feds involved. And now the feds are going to do a sweeping type of situation and 
is this going to make the NCAA look bad because they couldn't they couldn't do what the feds are doing? Yeah, but and, and, but what it does is that it opens up um, opportunities for um, high schools to think of uh, I mean high school students to think of other options outside the NCAA. Right now, we're in a position where the NCAA is not the end-all, be-all, um, one-stop move before going to college. I mean, you see people now playing um, international and get paid, um, knowing they have a, a, a if they're going to be a lottery pick going forward, they could spend a year in, in an international scene, get paid, and then once that year is up, then come to the NBA, and you'll get ma- you'll get a vast majority of experience because. When you go overseas, you'll play against older guys. So the competition is a little bit more, um, you know, skilled and primed for the NBA than you would be playing against college kids. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, they're, they're, like you said, I don't know what the NCAA can do. I don't even know if the top schools going off on their own is going to resolve anything because they're going to be beholden to – the TV revenue that they're getting in. So it's going to only make them pay players anyway, because they want to keep their teams good to, you know, to be up in that point where they can, you know, challenge for a conference championship game, where they're going to get some money, you know, challenge for one of the big bowl games where they get millions of dollars. So, you know, you want to keep those players in the pipeline for your school. So I don't know if you're breaking off. It's going to really change much. I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't do anything with the NCAA or the whole system as a whole, unless you try to get money out of it, but it's already in there and the money ain't going nowhere. Ah, and that's what makes it, that's what makes things so sticky. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I mean, and on the flip side, that's why college basketball is seeing so much parity this season because the the quality. Of the one and dones, I mean, you have a handful of that really good, but then the rest of them is obvious that you can see that they need two to three years of college ball in order to become elite enough to play in the NBA. I mean, uh, look at case in point, Diamond Stone um, came through Maryland, was supposed to be a, a great, you know, center in the NBA. I couldn't even tell you where this this joker is. He might be in the G League somewhere or maybe playing overseas. Like, it was such a big disappointment. I really think that the NCAA for basketball should really adopt the whole thing for uh, uh, the whole situation of how they do for football. You need to be three years removed from high school before you should be able to go pro. I mean, again, you have a handful of players that have the necessary skills that can make it. And, you know, probably within the past 20 years, you probably can name 10 or 15 players. But outside of that, then what? You know, is this – scouts are now bringing kids into the NBA based off of potential or what they believe they could bring three, two to three years down the line. Why not try to have a more polished product and have those guys two or three years down the line be that polished product so that the NBA will flourish and be a better product. <laughs> you, you, know, you touch on something, Mace. I blame in this era of one and dones. I mean, the kids are, are, are going to utilize the rules to however it's been placed. So if they can play one year and, and go pro, they're going to go pro. I blame the NBA stars. No one says you have to draft Markel Fultz. No one necessarily says you have to draft, you know, um, Alonzo Ball has been very, you know, iffy. No one says you have to draft these kids that are, you know, are not ready. You draft them on potential. So you, you're potentially wasting a top round pick, you know, or wasting two years or three years just to get the person up to snuff. I mean, there are some players that eventually will click it. I mean, there's the Kyrie Irvins, the John Walls, you know, a couple of others that come to mind, you know, Kevin Durant that were, you can see that potential. And they drafted them and they were able to, you know, maybe take a year or two at best, but then they blow, but then they, they were in it. But a lot of these kids that are going one and done don't deserve to be one and done. I mean, the NBA just has to pick better. Don't always pick because you think this person is in size and height and weight doesn't always equate to being a good person, you know, a player on the court. I mean, all you really have is one year of tape on them. 
playing against in college basketball. And then the rest of you have this high school where you have a senior playing against juniors and sophomores where all their bodies aren't fully developed. I mean, NBA has to coach better or you have to implement, like you said, ace like a, a, a max two year rule, which I think is probably going to come within the next few years because I think the NBA is looking at the quality of play themselves and seeing that, you know, we're starting to draft a lot of kids that just aren't ready the first year. And you wind up being like Philadelphia where you redshirt all of your picks for the, like the last three or four years. Because <laughs> Markel Fultz is not playing this season. Trust the process. He is not playing this season. I don't know what happened between the time that he got, he left Washington to the time he got to Philly, but something happened and he just can't shoot. I, 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 I will say this. I, I mean, come next year, I hope there's a change where he's at least done. I mean, uh, I hope it's, I hope he's playing next year because if he doesn't, I, I mean, you can't tell me that's like, not like a swing and a complete miss and an epic fail for you to do everything that you, in your power to get, move up to the number one spot only to get somebody that have that basically becomes a bust. Hopefully he doesn't become one. Hopefully that everything works out and he's back to himself. But if he becomes a bust, that's an epic fail from the 76 as well. Wouldn't be the first time an overall number one pick was an epic bust. But. Yeah, no, no. I agree with you on that. What I'm saying is, is that from the fact that you move all the way up to the number one, you could have stayed at number three. Like, there was no movement when the teams pick who they pick. But you went to go number one so that you could go after Markel Fultz. True. Like, and then they just been laughing all the way to the bank this season. Exactly. Exactly. Danny Ainge wants him to shoot. Uh, like, what, and what makes it worse because Danny Ainge with the number one pick, or yeah, Danny Ainge with that pick, he could have easily just said, you know what, I'm not picking Markel Fultz. I'm going to pick, you know, the person I pick now that's Jason Tatum. And, but Philly moved up to get to that number one spot. Right. Sure did. So that's more of an epic fail than any per, any other teams picking, you know, number one bus. True. True, true. But I, I, I digress. I got off topic. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I mean, but it all makes sense. I mean, What's to say that Markel Fultz would have played his first year up in Washington would have played great, but somehow going into his second season would have lost exactly what he just lost going into the NBA and would have had to try to read, uh, you know, redirect and try to do whatever and then try to figure it out and then become that player he thought he was going to be in the third year uh, being at Washington, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some of these things would have been identified in college. And whereas teams don't feel as though they're on the hook, especially in the NBA with all these guaranteed contracts. Yeah, but that's why the scouting team, um, the scouting department has to be on point. The scouting department should be on point with that. Like, majority of the teams that, I mean, majority of the players that teams get, like, perfect example, San Antonio, for whatever reason, they still stay in the lower te- um, tier of the draft but still produce quality players. Like, um, Devontae Murray, like, he was down in the lower tier being picked. And now he's playing, like, he's playing really good basketball for San Antonio. He's so, balling right now. Yeah, huh? I see. Yeah, he's balling. Yeah, so the scouting department has to be on point. Like, there's – Players on the teams that playing, there's um, lottery teams right now that pick players and didn't know what they were getting, like the Markel folks. Um, people overlook Donovan Mitchell, um, like like for example, Knicks overlooked Donovan Mitchell where everybody wanted them to get him. They picked Frank Nilakina. Which wasn't a bad pick. It, it, to be honest. It would have, it's not a bad pick if they would have kept Frank Nilakina on, you know, giving him quality minutes. Like, it feels though that, and I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go too much about the Knicks, but it feels though the Knicks wasted a pick with Nilakina when they bring in now Trey Burke and Jared Jack and 
Now you're bringing Emmanuel Udier. So, well, I, I, I think if Phil was still there and it was still trying to implement that triangle, I think it would have been a good pick. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But, yeah, I guess. But the thing was is that, you know, he, right now he's not even getting, like, the playing time that he originally had. So, but that's either here or there. We can talk about right. that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean. College basketball all day. Well, I, I'm sure there'll be some more fodder for us to talk about come next week because I'm sure the other shoot's going to drop come Friday. <laughs> Seems like Friday's the day for all the talk, you know, then have the, all the weekend to dissect everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know, it, it, it's a bad look for the NCAA. It's, it's, it's one thing after another after another. This one, just by the scope and, you know, people on, on tape and names of players, former players, you know, you know, and um, current college students and the names of the schools, really. I mean, you could have probably got away if it was a – you could escape if it was, let's say, in Arizona or like a kind of like a mid-level or low-level, you know, major team. But when you got some of your top tier team names being thrown out there, I mean, you can't just not ignore this. This is something, this is something that's going to be big. And, you know, we questioned last week, you know, is it better for them to do it now or would it have been better for them to have a tournament where, you know, if all the stuff drops, you're in the midst of tournament games. So I don't know if you want to not have the coach play, but I, this is bad. It's a bad look. And like you said, Ace, you don't know what's going to come out in the next couple of days. And I don't think this is the end of it. I think there's probably going to be some more stuff coming. Everybody's going to start lawyering up. And, you know, first person who talks, first person who talks gets the best deal. So, um, <laughs> I think in one of my message boards that I read, I read, um, a conspiracy theory is that Sean Miller from Arizona is working for the feds. Because how else would how else would you come across some sort of uh, you know talking about a hundred thousand dollar bribe and him not be arrested and him talking about you know he's being vindicated whereas the people that's all involved in the situation have all been arrested you know and how else not to kind of uncover something unless you work with the feds so well, you know so you think well do you think he he plead yeah. Uh, you think he um do you think that he already um pleaded out to work with them or see, that's what I'm looking for and see that that's where that's where it kind of gets crazy because how how is it that i mean it's possible that the feds can get to him without those the school not even know. I mean, if the players, if the people could get around to the kids without the schools knowing, the feds could get the people without the schools knowing. It's possible. I mean, it's it's a theory. It's it's conspiracy theory. It, it, it sounds crazy, but it's very doable. Okay. You know, they probably. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He probably cooperated once he got him on tape. You know, feds got him talking about the money. You know, exchanging hands. It was like, hey. This can go down easy or hard, you know. If it's easy, you know, start, you know, start naming names, and you know, it might give you some immunity. And I'm pretty sure he's he's right right now, you know, spilling the beans on everybody if he's got some immunity. So you're thinking that not in a situation with this current kid about hundred thousand dollars, but you think that he might have been discussing money with somebody else, and he said, all right, if you want to get off. Throw this number out there. Be in contact with this, these agents, so we can implicate them. Is that where you, is that where you're going with that? No, that that would be more like almost a trap. And you know, why would you do that and kind of ruin your reputation? You know, mm-hmm. for for that, I'm saying that all this went down. They probably already had them on tape saying, "Hey, you know, we got you. You know, it's going to come down. Right, right. If you cooperate and start naming names, naming people." Then you know you might get a little bit of immunity, or you know might you know serve a little you know softer time. But you know he's cooperating and probably naming names or naming schools. So <laughs> that's how the that's how the feds do. Once they got you, you know, behind the eight ball, <laughs> they want you to give out who who else you know, and then the next person is going to want to look for a deal, and then everybody's you know everybody's dry snitching. <laughs> hey, that's why you get caught a rat. 
I'd be a snitching too. I'd be a snitching fool too if I know I'm about to face out of jail time. So I'm sorry. If I get in trouble, fellas, and we together, I'm sorry. We all going down. I'm just sorry. I, I, my, my booty too tender. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm now. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> At least I know now that I cannot no longer hang out with you. Oh yeah, I'm a damn all y'all. Out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. sure. Y'all gonna hate me. Yes, <laughs> agent has already said he's. Agent said already said he's um, cooperating with, with law enforcement for anything. <laughs> At least you're open and honest. So. Damn right. <laughs> Well, fellas, I think this is about our time. I want to say, unfortunately, just a quick update, Al. You know, you didn't watch the game, but the Brooklyn Nets did at the very final. Looks like a um, minute fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Gave them a heck of a run, but they lost 20, 123 to 129. Yeah. Now, I, one thing about my Nets is that they play hard. Now, when they're healthy, I should say that. When they're healthy, I know they'll play hard. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. And they gave the Cavs a good run. I was looking at the score. It was it was pretty tight. And they were leading for, you know, in the fourth quarter for, you know, majority of the fourth quarter. But I didn't see what happened at the end. But, of course, we pretty can probably all guess what happened. But Yeah. No, I'm I'm already getting feedback from, like, the rest of my – I mean, rest of the Nets fans. Um, it wasn't LeBron, but it was the other um, that helped them out. But that's a, another conversation here there. Um <laughs> Now you worry about that. <laughs> that is. <laughs> so on that note, guys, um, let them know where they can. Where they can. First of all, I want to tell everybody thanks for subscribing, listening to us. You know, we definitely appreciate all of all of um, fans out there that have been listening to our podcast. We, you know, you know, if you want any, you know, comments, concerns, or any topics you want us to talk about that we're not, please, you know, you know, hit us up and let us know. We're always open to new things, and you know, eventually in the next couple of weeks, you know, we're probably going to be doing some new things to kind of. Uh, Flip the format here, if you would say. So, um, with that note, guys, let them know where they can find you. Uh, I can find me on Twitter, uh, CatDaddy1963, C-A-T-D-A-D-D-Y, 1963 on Twitter. And you can find me in my bed in about the next 30 minutes. <laughs> um, but outside of that, you can catch me on social media, Instagram and Twitter. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. <laughs> and you can find me about to be fighting the Sandman, but within the next 45 minutes as well. So, um, and you can find me yet on Twitter and at the gram, J E R O S S seven at. And with that note, guys, I want to say thank you and thanks for listening to us for another successful podcast. And guys, signing off. Good night, everybody. God bless y'all. Good night, everybody. <laughs>